Man, I'm so glad you guys are here because everybody loves a good comeback. Is that right? And this book of Joshua that we're about to begin studying, uh, we've entitled this series The Comeback of Courage because that's what we're going to learn in the book of Joshua. So if you would just go ahead, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to the book of Joshua. I know Abby told you, but some of you, I, I get it. You're like, I don't know where that book is and I don't want to look weird and confused. And so if you just go to the Old Testament, right, the very beginning of your Bible, it's going to be the sixth book, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then the book of Joshua. It's going to be good to learn where it is because we're going to spend the next 12 weeks in the book of Joshua. So that's going to pay some dividends. Hey, before I jump in, let me, let me just say this. On Christmas Eve, uh, we took up our Christmas Eve offering for this group's building. And uh, you guys gave $920,000 in one night. So we just <laughs> praise God for that. I was uh, blown away. That's going to allow us the second floor. We already had the money to, to kind of build that second floor, but just not finish it out. That's enough money. Or give us enough money to get close to finishing that uh, second floor out. So just amazing what God is doing. Those of you who've moved here from California, welcome to Tennessee. <laughs> right? I mean, it happened this week, didn't it? I'm glad you guys are here. Those of you watching online, we are just so glad to have you. I've been texting with folks all morning, watching online that are at home and sick and different stuff, so we're glad you're glad you guys are with us. I don't know when I've been more excited uh, about a, a beginning of the year series than I am about this series, the book of Joshua. I, I just I cannot wait. Again, we're going to spend 12 weeks of sermons through the book of Joshua. We're going to have a podcast every single day, Monday through Friday through the book of Joshua, just about 10, 12 minutes on your drive time in to work or to school. Uh, I, I just hope you'll follow along with us. I won't cover, and Nick and I won't cover everything in the book of Joshua and our sermons, uh, but we will in the podcast. And so we want to give you just a, a master's degree in the book of Joshua uh, because we're going to be doing sermon-based small groups through Joshua. So if you've never jumped in there, that's a great chance to interact with it. And, and some of you have said, why Joshua? Why are we starting the year off uh, with this uh, maybe seemingly ob obscure book in the Old Testament? Well, I think Joshua is a book for our day, and I think you're going to see that because Joshua is a book that really speaks courage in, into our lives. And I think we have over the last several years, we've, we've just kind of lost our way a little bit, and we've, we've given in to so much fear and anxiety. And so I think courage needs a comeback, and the book of Joshua is going to help us with that in such powerful ways. Uh, the book of Joshua, uh, another thing the book of Joshua is going to do is the book of Joshua is going to really show us how we can claim our inheritance in Christ. And, and so what I mean by that, first of all, Joshua, who is writing this book, Joshua was a, was a Jew born in slavery in Egypt during the time of Moses. He was Moses' aide. In fact, his name, Joshua, is Jesus' Hebrew name. It was how you'd say Jesus in Hebrew, Yeshua, which means Yahweh saves. And so you're going to see Joshua is this deliverer and is going to remind us that Jesus is, is our deliverer. Now, as we, uh, I'm going to spend some time with some background here this morning because we're going to be spending the next 12 weeks in this book. So we need to understand it a little bit. Is that all right with you? guys. If you're watching online, I hope it's all right with you. We're going to be looking at three geographical regions. You're going to hear a lot of talk about Egypt because that's where this generation of Hebrews had just come out of captivity in Egypt, 400 years of captivity. Uh, they're going to be wandering or have been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. 
And so we're going to see that wilderness is another geographical region. That, uh, Egypt represented uh, death, uh, slavery. Then they are brought out of Egypt, which really represents salvation for the children of Israel. But the wilderness really uh, represents a period of unbelief and all the suffering that can come with unbelief because you have 40 years with the children of Israel that are in many ways saved and stuck. And I think that's such a picture of the church today that we might know Christ relationally, but we don't, we don't know him well enough to take hold of all that he wants to do in our life. And then you have Canaan, this third geographical region. And you don't have to uh, remember all this this morning. If this is new to you, we'll be working on this for 12 weeks. Canaan is the land that God had promised to the children of Israel all the way back in the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 2, that they would be a people, a unique, set-apart people, and they would have this land land that he would, would give them, and that's going to come to fruition in the book of Joshua. And so it's really, Canaan really represents stepping in to really rest and victory and the riches that are ours in Christ. So we're going to hopefully, by the time we finish this book, sort of understand where we are in one of those geographical regions, because this story is our story. Let me say that to you again. This story is our story because you might be saying, why in the world are we studying this old book? Because the way that God dealt with the Hebrews in Joshua's day is the way that he deals with us today. And it's a great story of, 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 of victory and what God wants to do in, in our life. And the book of Joshua is a story of a new beginning. It's a story of rest. And it's a story of a return to courage, which is what I think we need today. So you guys ready to jump in? Book of Joshua. Uh, let's just go ahead and start in chapter one, verse one. That seems like a good place to get started, doesn't it? So let, let's jump in. And Joshua reads, let me just say this, the book of Joshua, some of you are like, I thought you were gonna read the Bible. Well, I am. It kind of reads like a Tom Clancy novel, novel at some points. I mean, there's spying, there, there, there's, there's espionage, there's murder, there's, there's all kinds of uh, battles. There's some really difficult passage passages in Joshua uh, that, that are going to kind of spin us out maybe a little bit, but I think as we dig into them, we'll be able to see uh, with different eyes and see the fullness of what God wants us to see. It's a powerful book. But here we go, beginning in verse 1. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. So this is the context of the book of Joshua. Moses dies. That's how Joshua begins his book. Moses is dead. How's that for jumping off point, right? And the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun. That doesn't mean that Joshua didn't have a dad. That was his dad's literal name, Nun, N-U-N. That was funnier to folks in the first service than obviously it was to you guys. Tough room here today. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, uh, jo uh, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is, is dead. So the children of Israel had been brought under Moses' leadership, one of the, the greatest leaders in all of Scripture. Uh, we saw all of the plagues in, in Egypt, the, the passing of the Red Sea, the giving of the law. We studied the Ten Commandments. God gave the law through Moses, all of that. Now this great leader is dead, and the children of Israel still aren't in the promised land. But that's going to change. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all the people get ready to cross the Jordan the Jordan River into the Lamb, I'm about, to, I'm about to give them to the Israelites. This is so important. Now, Moses is dead, but God's worker is dead, but God's work is never dead. Does that make sense? God's workers, they, they come and go. His, his work is dead, or his, his worker is dead, but the work is never dead. Now it's time to step in uh, to this, this promised land. Now, this is a very important principle. I want you to think about it. The land was already theirs. God had already given it to them, but they had to go and take possession of it. That makes sense. That's a real, and that was going to take a battle because there were all these fortified cities and people that were living in the land. 
right? And so I, I think that's one of the things that's so important for our spiritual journey. God has given us a rich inheritance in Christ, but we have to know how to take hold of all that God has given us. Does that make sense? That's what the book of Joshua is going to do. Like, listen, here's what's going to happen. Some of you over the course of the next 12 weeks as we study God's Word are going to understand some principles from the Word of God to take hold of your inheritance, to start to claim your inheritance in Christ. It's going to be a cool thing. That's why I'm so, so excited about it. Verse 4. Your territory, God says, will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, to all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Basically what God is doing, north, south, east, and west, he's laying out the boundaries of this land. And they were not to exceed any of those boundaries, all right? So again, we're just reminded this isn't some fairy tale. This, this is, a, this is a, a literal story that takes place in a real place, and God determines that. Verse 5, no one will be, I love this, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or I will never forsake you. Can't you imagine Joshua just for a moment? I mean, you've been interning with Moses for the last 40 years. I mean, Moses is this larger than life leader, right? And then Moses dies and God says to Joshua, hey, you're up and it's time to go. It's time to go into the promised land. Wouldn't you imagine Joshua would feel like I'm ill-equipped for the job? I mean, wouldn't you like, nah, I'm, I'm an intern. Like, I, I've been, I've been in, Moses is the dude. But no, God says, listen, it's, it's not just fully about you, Joshua. Verse 5, I'm going to be with you. And, and, and wherever you go, that's where I'm going to be. And I'm never going to leave you, Joshua, and I'm never going to forsake you. That's where courage begins to come from. It's knowing who's with us. Now, let, let's read on. I'll start preaching. Be strong and courageous, God says, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. The first time God, again, promises to give them this land is in Genesis chapter 12 to Abraham, right? And he tells them to be strong and courageous. Look at verse 7. Be strong and very courageous, and you're like, didn't God just say that? Yeah. He's going to say it four times, literally the same phrase, four times in the first chapter. That to me sounds like that's a big deal. That to me sounds like this, this great leader, Joshua. I mean, Moses was a politician. He was a legislator. Like He, he received the law, and he was a great political leader. Joshua's different. Joshua's a warrior. That's who Joshua is. And in fact, already the, Joshua had already had some success in battle. Uh, all the way back in Exodus chapter 17, he defeated the Amalekites, which were a group of people when the children of Israel just came out of captivity, and they were wandering in the wilderness. The, the women, the children, the sick were in the back of the line. The Amalekites came out and attacked these weak Ill, Israelites and destroyed, killed many of them, and, and, which is a ruthless thing to do, Right? And then, so God raises up Joshua to go and fight the Amalekites, and he's victorious. Do you remember that story in Sunday school? Uh, Joshua, uh, Moses says, I'm going to stay up here on the mountain and pray. Joshua, I want you to go fight. Joshua's like, no, I got a better idea. Why don't you go fight? He doesn't say that. Why don't you go fight? I'll stay up there and pray. But Moses stays up and prays, and as long as Moses' hands were lifted up, Joshua was successful in battle. You remember that story? And then Moses' hands got heavy, and Aaron and Hur had to prop them up like on a rock, and, 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 and Joshua was victorious in battle. So Joshua had a little swagger because he'd already, he'd already been successful in battle, but four times God has to say in Joshua chapter 1, hey, I want you to be strong and be courageous because we all struggle with fear in our life, don't we? I'm afraid to say that. See, we all do. We all do. Even this great leader, this great warrior struggled with fear, and so God has to encourage him, be strong and, and courageous, because the book of Joshua is about the comeback of courage, and don't, doesn't courage need to come back in your life? 
It does in mine. Be strong and very courageous, verse 7. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. In Joshua chapter 1, what God is doing is he's showing him where courage comes from. Like he's, he's not saying, he's not just saying, Joshua, be, be courageous. He tells him how to have courage. The first thing, he reminds him of his presence. And then he says, if you'll just be careful to obey all my commands and don't turn to the right or the left. Now think about this. Joshua and the children of Israel were about to go into the, the, into the land of Canaan. It was a fortified land with all of these pagan people, with all of these pagan and immoral practices. And he says, hey, Joshua, I want, if you want to have courage, then you stay focused on me. You fix your eyes on me. You don't fix your eyes to the right and to the left and see all these things because that will distract you. That will take you off. Like I, I'm embarrassed to admit this. But uh, years ago, we were in New Orleans. Amy and I were in New Orleans with some friends, and they were from New Orleans. And uh, one morning, we got up, and they said, what do you want to do today? And I said, well, I don't know. What you guys are from here? They said, let's go down Bourbon Street. There was like a check in my spirit because I'm a preacher. Like, I don't want anybody taking a picture and saying, hey, Pastor Brady, an Instagram moment. He's on Bourbon Street in the French Quarter. I'm like, man, I don't know. He said, oh, you need to see Bourbon Street. Everybody needs to see Bourbon Street once in their life. I don't think so. I don't think so. And he said, it's supposed to rain this morning. It's raining right now. He said, it's supposed to rain hard. He said, the best time to go to Bourbon Street is right after a big rain. It kind of cleans out all just, just trash. Well, it didn't. <laughs> Let me just tell you, if you, ever go to, if you ever go to Bourbon Street, do exactly what the book of Joshua says. You look straight ahead. You don't look to the right or to the left, right? That's a bad deal. That's what God is saying to Joshua. I don't know why I told you that. Verse 8. <laughs> Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Like the book of the law that we have, God's word today has 66 books. In Joshua's day, it had five. It was just the first five books that Moses had. So he said, remember everything that I said through Moses? Like keep that in your mind. That's where courage is going to come from, right? Obey it. Keep it in your mind. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Now, this is an interesting word. This word meditate, uh, like Eastern religion has sort of stolen this word, and we think meditation is kind of clearing our mind and humming, and that's not what meditation is. To meditate really means to mutter. It means to speak. And so speak the word of God. Speak the word of God to others. That's why we love small groups. It's a chance to meditate on the word, meaning speak the word of God. Be reminded of the word. Speak the word of God to yourself, right? That, that, that's an important thing. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to obey everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful, right? That, that's where courage comes from. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. And again, you're like, Seems like he's saying the same thing over and over again. Four times God is telling Joshua, be strong and courageous because we're so prone to fear, right? And we've got to be reminded of that. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Listen, have there been times in the last couple years if you've been afraid, you've been discouraged? I think we all have, haven't we? Don't you see why we are ripe for a comeback of courage? You see that I think we are ripe uh, for that. And that's why this book is so helpful. And again, watch what he says in verse 9. He says, be strong and courageous, but then he tells him how to do it. And he says, remember, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is where courage comes from, being reminded of the presence of God in your life. Does that make sense? Important. So uh, verse 9, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you. Here it is, verse 10. That's where I should have started. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people. It's go time. Like, here we go. After 40 years, after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, and why did they have to wander in the wilderness? Because they were just bad with directions? No. 
because of the disobedience of the people, they didn't go into the land the first time that, that the Lord through Moses sent spies in Numbers chapter 13, sent spies into the land, he sent 12 of them. 10 of them came back with a terrible report and said, we can't do this. The people are too big. Only Joshua and Caleb said, we can do this. Uh, God, you can devour our enemies. So because of their unbelief, that whole generation had to die off 40 years of funerals until that generation who was prone to unbelief and wouldn't, wouldn't go forward with what God was calling them to do, they had to die off, and now it's time to go in. Last funeral's over, here we go. God says, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. It's moving day, right? You're ready to go. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan to go and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Now, sometimes we think about, like if you grew up in church, we sang songs about crossing over the Jordan. You remember that? And that was like when we went to heaven. That, that's not right. This, this picture of crossing over the Jordan is crossing from a place of wilderness, a place of unbelief, into a place of victory, a place of spiritual rest for us now, but it's gonna take some battles. Here's what God is saying, and this is huge. God's saying, I have given you the land but you're gonna to have to go possess the land. Both of those things are true. And that is in play for you in your life spiritually. Everything you could ever need and more, God has already given to you in Christ, but you have to learn how to go and take possession of what God has given you. It is my contention that the church doesn't fully know how to do that, that I have lived most of my life not knowing how to do that, right? So we wander around. Let's, uh, let's think about this for a little bit. Before we do, let me show you a picture. Here's a guy, St uh, Stefan, he's German, Stefan Thomas. Uh, he is uh, a German-born uh, programmer. Uh, he is now living in San Francisco, California. Some of you may know his story. Uh, Stefan owns, at, at, at the last time I did some research, $321 million worth of Bitcoin. $321 million, it fluctuates. Here's the problem. With Bitcoin, I don't own any, own any Bitcoin. Some of you may. I keep all my money in fishing lures. That's where I'm invested, mostly. Uh, but um, And so with that, to access your account, obviously you have to have a password. He has forgotten his password. You only get 10 tries to unlock this iron key, this hard drive in this Bitcoin system. And if you don't uh, get it by the 10th time, on the 10th time with the wrong password enter in, it destroys your account. And so you can't, you can't ever access it. He's holding on number eight, right? Trying to remember because he lost his password. Now think about this for a moment. Here's a guy who has $321 million. He just can't what? Access it. Can you imagine how frustrating that would be? You wake up every day. Like there's 321, and, and some of you will do some research and say, well, Bitcoin's dropped, whatever, a lot of money but he can't access it. You say, why in the world do you share that illustration? Because I think it's a picture of us many times. There is so much more that we have as believers, but we haven't yet learned how to access it. That's what the book of Joshua is going to teach us. The book of Joshua is going to teach us how to take hold of what, it, what is already ours, but it's gonna take a fight. It's gonna take a battle. So here we go. Let's go to work. Uh, I've got two and a half hours worth of sermon material. I've got 15 minutes left. You guys ready to go? Let's do this, right?
Here we go. Number one, claiming your inheritance will take courage. That's what we see in this four times. Be strong and courageous. It's going to take courage. What is courage? Courage is the strength to face your fears. That's what courage is. And it's the strength to really face your fears. And we all have them. Fears are a part of, of, of living on planet Earth and being in this fallen body. We will always have fear, but we don't have to be controlled by our fear. Does that make sense? We can grow in, in courage and in strength. Like some of us just need, some of us just need the courage to pray again because there's a broken relationship we've just given up on, right? Some of, us just need, some of us just need the courage to battle again against an addiction that we've just kind of given ourselves over to and we've sort of given up. Some of us need just the courage to battle again inside our marriage. Some of us inside of ministry because we were serving the Lord and, 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 and God was using us, but somebody hurt us in the past, and so we've just, just kind of pulled back in fear. But what we need again today is the comeback of courage, right, God, that you could do something in me. And even Joshua needed to be reminded to be strong and courageous. And one of the reasons why we need courage is because we don't anticipate the struggle. Please listen. I won't get through with this message. Just relax. I'll let you out on time. Is that okay? We don't anticipate the struggle. Most believers, the reason they get sidetracked is they don't anticipate the struggle. They think the moment that I surrender to Christ then kind of the battle has been over. Like Jesus fought the battle on the cross. He defeated sin and defeated death and gave me victory. That is true, but that is one battle. And there's going to be many battles that now as a follower of Christ that I'm going to have to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, learn to fight. We have to anticipate the battle. Listen, if you don't know you're in a fight, you're going to be destroyed. And that's what this book is going to be about as we study. It's going to be battle after battle inside the land of Canaan to take hold of what is already there. And I think it's what God wants to do in our life. And so it's going to take courage. Now, let's talk about courage because, again, I don't want you to leave and just say, you know what, I just need to be cur cur courageous. Well, we can't be courageous on our own. How does courage grow? Well, the Bible answers that. In this, in this chapter, it answers that in multiple ways, and we'll see it more. Well, can I just ask you this because some of you are afraid. Not, those of you watching online, I hope you're not. Think about this. Do you need to grow in your courage? Do, do you need more strength in your, in your life? So how do we do that? Here, here we go. Courage, think about this. Let's think about courage. Courage isn't the absence of fear, but courage is a growing faith in the presence of God. That's what courage is. It isn't the absence of fear. We're always going to have fear until one day all our fears are taken away when we step into the kingdom. Revelation chapter 21. That's going to be good news, isn't it? But as I'm growing in my understanding of the presence of God, then that's where courage really grows in my life. Like, look back at verse 5. Here's what God says to Joshua, because Joshua says, I'm ill-equipped, or he thinks I'm ill-equipped to do this. God says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or never forsake you. Is that a good word? That's a word that God is, if you're in Christ, that God is speaking over you, that I'll never leave you or I'll never forsake you. Courage isn't something that we have on our own. Courage comes from knowing who is with us, the presence and the power of God. In fact, think about this. Think about this at Christmas. We just came out of Christmas. You remember Christmas, right? You haven't even taken back all your gifts yet from Christmas. In, in the book of Matthew, for instance, I mean, the angel comes to, to, to Joseph and to Mary and tells them that they're going to have a son, and you will call this son Emmanuel, which means what? 
God is with us, right? That's a very great thing. That's what we need because that's where courage comes from, knowing God is with us. Matthew ends his gospel. Matthew ends his gospel with the Great Commission. Do you remember the, the Great Commission? Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then how does Matthew end? And surely I am what? with you even to the very end of the age. So this great promise for the believer, this great promise for the believer is God's presence with us and a constant reminding, a growing understanding of the presence of God in your life is what breeds courage. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You dear children are from God. John is talking to, to believers. He says, and have overcome them because the one who is greater than the one who is, uh, the one who is with you is greater than the one who is in the world. Right? And that's understanding this presence of God. Like with our children, can I say this to parents? Can I say this? We want our kids to have such a strong self-esteem. We want them to be confident children, right? There, that's, there, there's nothing wrong with that. But do you know where real courage comes from? Helping them to understand who's with them, right? Who's with them. That's where confidence and courage and strength comes from. Now, here's the second thing about courage. Courage is a result. Courage is a result of having the right perspective. Like life is difficult, would you agree? Life has real challenges, but having the right perspective. Now when I was a, when I was a kid, uh, the name of my elementary school, I'm not making this up, was a Nanny Smithberry Elementary School. We were the fighting grandmothers. Right, nanny as in grandma, nanny. That was the start of my school. And so when you would tell other kids where you went to school, well, I go to Nanny Berry, they, they would laugh. Like, that's why I've struggled with fear, because I went to an elementary school named Nanny Berry, right? I mean, we're, you're not a very confident, not a very confident guy, right? So when I was in elementary school, do you remember this about elementary school? Some of you guys are looking at me like I'm weird. Do you remember in elementary school, my elementary school was kindergarten through sixth grade? Do you remember sixth graders were like giants? Do you remember that? Do you remember like a second grader, and you're like, whoa, did you see him? Wow. Move over. I mean, you're just overwhelmed at the presence of a sixth grader when you're a second grader, right? And then I have a sister. Uh, I have a sister. She's three years younger than me. She's also a graduate of Nanny Smith Berry, which is cooler for her as a girl than it is for a dude. But, like, I remember as a ninth grader going back, because we just lived right down the street, like two blocks away from our elementary school, and, and, and walking down to pick her up when she was a sixth grader with her and her other sixth grade friends. And they're like, like where did you guys come from? You don't even look big enough to stand, Right, you're babies, right? But when I was a second grader, sixth graders look like giants. But when you're a ninth grader, it's like, what gives? You know what that is? That's a perspective issue. And you might say, well, what, what's the point? This is what's going on in the book of Joshua. You can't fully understand the book of Joshua and them going into the land without going back to the first year. When, when, and you can go back to Numbers chapter 13. Read this on your own uh, this week. Numbers chapter 13 and Numbers chapter 14 tells the story. The children, I'll tell it fast. Uh, God, uh, through Moses, raises up 12 spies. This is one year after they're out of Egypt. They're about to go into the, the, the promised land, the land of Canaan, go in and, and spy out the land. So the 12 spies go into the land. Ten of them come back, and they say, you know what? There's sixth graders in the land. We cannot do this. They are huge. They do. In fact, we look like grasshoppers. That's what it says in Scripture. We look like grasshoppers to them. They will devour us. And, and they all begin, the two million Jews, they, they begin to weep and to wail. They want to get rid and fire Moses. They want to go back to Egypt. And then Joshua gets up in Numbers chapter 14. He said, wait, wait, wait a minute. He and Caleb, they said, you know what? The land's a great land. 
And we can do this. God has already given us this land. We will devour them with God's presence and power. Let's go. And then in Numbers chapter 14, verse 10, you know what they said after Joshua has this brave heart? Guys, you, you, you like brave heart? He's got a brave heart moment, and you expect everybody to say, yeah, that's right, let's go with Joshua. And they, they said, let's stone him. That's what they said, let's kill him. And I can imagine Joshua getting back with Caleb afterwards and just thinking, that didn't go well. And he has to wait 40 years to that entire generation who were prone to unbelief, who shrunk back in fear before the entire generation dies out, before the book of Joshua begins and they're able to go into the land. Listen, can I say something to you? I don't want you to miss out on what God has for you because of fear. I don't want you to do it, right? And it's a perspective issue. And so here's the deal. You will either see your struggles through a God lens or you will see God through the lens of your struggles. Most people see God through the lens of their struggles, which means what? All these difficulties that I have in our life today, in my business, in my marriage, with my health issue, political issues, all these struggles that are going on, they're so big and God is so small. And Joshua was just the opposite. He saw every struggle through the lens of his victory victorious and powerful God, and it changed everything, it was a perspective issue. And having the wrong perspective on your struggles, listen, will cost you more than you ever imagined. Has a huge ripple, ripple effect. And I want to say this, and this is just free, and I don't have much time, but you can't miss this. Claiming your inheritance is going to take endurance. Man, it is not going to happen overnight. Does that make sense? Joshua and Caleb waited 40 years before they went into the land, but they stayed faithful. Most people I know, man, they would just give up. They won't stay faithful when something goes south, when it doesn't go the way that they want it to go. It's going to take endurance. Like claiming your inheritance is not for sprinters. It's for people who are ready to run a marathon. And endurance is really what courage looks like over the long haul. Let's look at the third thing today. I'm sweating. Are you guys sweating? All right, here we go. Courage is a result of trusting in, in the promises of God. It, it, it's it, it, Courage, you're, you're not going to claim your inheritance without courage, right? We have to be reminded of the presence of God. We have to have the right perspective. But, but then we have to be reminded of the promises of God. This is where courage will come from. Think about this for a second. First Chronicles chapter 7. You might want to write this down. Those of you who are still with me, write this down. You can look at this up. Joshua was a firstborn Hebrew, this is important, born in Egypt, right? So Joshua would have been there when the, obviously during the 10 plagues, the final plague was the death of the firstborn. Do you remember that from Sunday school? So Joshua's dad, Nun, would have had to gone out and placed the blood of the lamb over the doorpost of his home, and the angel of death would have passed over. God kept his promise and spared Joshua's life. And so Joshua's courage began to swell because he knew that his God was a God who kept his promise. Like that, that, that impacted him. And I think courage comes in our life, and you'll never claim your inheritance without courage, comes when we're just reminded that God keeps his promises. Let me give you just a couple really fast today. Is that okay? Again, I told you I had a two-and-a-half-hour message. We're down to the final two minutes. Two-minute warning. You ready to go? Buckle up. Here's a promise, Romans 8, 28. You know that? And we know in all things God works together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. You ever found yourself in a bad situation and watched as God did something beautiful out of it? Anybody? I have. God keeps his promises. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17, listen to this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, it's a new creation, a new has come, the old is gone. If you're in Christ, think about this. Have you noticed God has done a new work in your life over the course of your journey with Jesus, that you have new desires in your life, that you've been able to, to break free from some old habits in your life? Have you noticed some of the newness that has come into your life in Christ? Do you know where that's coming from? That's coming from the promise keeper who is our God. He keeps his promises. And when you're reminded that God keeps his promises, courage swells. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians is a great book, by the way, to read alongside with Joshua because Paul in Ephesians kind of doctrinally fleshes out what we see happening in the storyline of Joshua. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. This is good, man. It's good. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that every spiritual blessing that you need God has blessed you with, God keeps his promises. It's a chance for us to step in and take possession of what God has already given you. Can I say that to you again, church? If you don't get anything else, here's what the book of Joshua has a chance to do in your life. It's gonna teach you how to take possession of what God has already given you. And don't you want it? Don't you want it? Warren Wearsby says this. He said, God, he said, God's people live on promises, not on explanations. It won't always make sense. Here's the last thing about courage. Watch this. Courage submits completely to the word of God. Look at verse 7 and 8 again. Listen to what God says to Joshua before he goes in for the battle of his life. He says, be strong and very courageous, Joshua. Be careful to obey all my law, all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. He's saying, listen, your success is going to be dependent upon you fully obeying the word. Claiming your inheritance. Listen, church, claiming your inheritance takes submission to the word. Now, let, let me just tell you something. We have to see complete obedience as a matter of life and death. I don't think the church sees that today. That's what God is saying to Joshua. He's saying, this is a matter of life and death because we take the word of God like a salad bar. You're like, that's the goofiest illustration I've ever heard. But we, we take what we like and, and we just don't pick up what we don't like. If something's hard, if something's challenging, I don't do that, right? Amy and I, we go to a salad bar and I'm, I'm a big salad bar fan. Don't send me any emails. Like, that's gross, whatever, that's your deal. But like, we're just the opposite because, you know, there, there's just stuff. She like, she, she like gets everything on the salad bar, like beets. Why do they put beets on a salad bar? Man, that is wrong. I don't want beets. Right? Some of you are like, I like beets. Good. That's cool. But that, my point is we, we kind of go the word of God like that. Well, I like this. I like God that you're a loving God, but don't talk about my morality. Like, no, I don't want you to don't want you step in there. Don't talk about my money. I don't, want, I don't want you to step in there. Don't talk about me forgiving somebody who's wronged me. Or I don't, no, 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 don't. That's salad bar Christianity. It never works. You'll never have the courage of God, and you'll never claim the inheritance that God has for you until you do what God is calling Joshua to do, to fully obey. And listen, there's areas in our lives right now, in your life right now, you're watching online, in your life right now, that we're just choosing not to fully obey what God has called us to do. It isn't a matter of you knowing what God's Word says. You're not willing to obey it. Courageous faith, watch this, courageous faith takes the Word seriously. 
even when it's scary, when the word's scary and when it doesn't make sense, right? Joshua's secret was not in his sword. He was a powerful warrior and military leader, but his secret wasn't in his skills with the sword. His secret was in his submission to the word of God. Can I say something to you? And I'm going to be done here. We can own something by our faith in Christ, but we'll never enjoy it without faithful obedience. Can I say that to you again? You may own something like a new identity as a follower of Jesus Christ. You may be justified in a right relationship with, 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 with the Lord, but you'll never enjoy what you own without faithful obedience to it. That's how you take possession of it. Let me ask you a question about Jesus. Is he your king or is he a consultant? You see that? Because most people in the church, he's a consultant. What is it? Have you ever had a consultant in business? Like they tell you a lot of things. You don't have to do any of them, right? Just, well, that makes sense. That doesn't make sense. If you're in consulting, I'm sorry. You see that? But I think that's what we've done with Jesus, and that's not where courage comes from. We'll never claim our inheritance. Look at this as we close. Claiming your inheritance. Let me just say this for everybody in this room. We're all at different places. Some of us are still in Egypt. Some of us are wandering around in Canaan. Some of us are right at the edge of the Jordan, and some of us have already gone in and are beginning to live in the freedom that God has for us. But claiming your inheritance always starts with a courageous first step. And it's going to be different for everybody here today. For those of you watching, listen to what God says to Joshua, and we'll close with this. Verse 3, I will give you, Joshua, every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses. Hey, church, you want the comeback of courage? You want to claim your inheritance? I'm asking. You'll never claim it sitting still. You have to take a step, a faithful step of obedience, a scary step, an uncomfortable step. But you would take that because you know who's going with you. You have the right perspective. You know that God keeps his promises. And you know there's more ahead of you than anything you would leave behind you. I want to clear something up today that might be missed. And if it's missed, it's super dangerous. If you're in Christ, let me say this, you have a relationship with Christ, there is an inheritance for you. But some of you want the inheritance of Christ, but you skipped a very important foundational step. Inheritance is always for someone in the family. And the first courageous step for somebody here today, maybe multiple people here today, before you can ever claim your inheritance, you have to step into your adoption. And as you 
in a moment of courageous faith, trust Christ in Christ alone for your standing, then you are adopted into his family. And the inheritance is yours for the taking. But for some of you, you've never yet taken that first step and been adopted, and that needs to change today. That's your first step. And God will meet you there. God will keep his promise to you there. And God will begin to show you for the rest of your life the inheritance that is waiting for you as his child. Step into that relationship today. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this incredible book. Thank you for the next several months we have just to walk slowly through this incredible book of Joshua. God, we are praying for the comeback of courage in our life, in our church's life, in our children's life. Lord, we are praying that we'd be able to step into the inheritance that's ours. Teach us that. Teach us how to take access to what is ours in Christ. And Father, today, before we leave this place, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you show some people here today that they're not yet ready to claim their inheritance until they let you claim them as, their, as your son or daughter. And they would do that by faith. We pray that is happening even right now in Jesus' name. Amen.